Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Canvas Church this morning. I am Katie Brinkman. I am one of the pastors here at Canvas. I am also the wife of our lead pastor, Ben Brinkman, and I am here to um, excited to be with you this morning, excited for what God has in store for us today. Just in the midst of worship, it was just such a, a wonderful thing to come and gather together at church and gather together with the church, those of us that call ourselves Christ followers and come and worship in this place and, and just honor God and recognize that his presence is with us. Amen? It's such a good day. We're going we're gonna to dive into our Passion for the House series this morning. We're going to continue it today as we talk about uh, the church as a place for people. And so we've been in this series, Passion for the House, we've been looking at the fact that when people get passionate about what God is doing, and we get so passionate about what God is doing that we want to jump in and get involved in it, incredible things take place, incredible things happen. And in this series, we are looking at the fact that when there's a passion for the house, that the church becomes a place of provision, it becomes a place for people, it becomes a place of God's presence as we sense this morning in worship, and it becomes a place for the possible. And last week, Pastor Ben concluded the portion of our series that the church is a place of provision, and today we're going to start the uh, portion of our series talking about the church is a place for people. And we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 27, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull that out. And, or you can point and click and go to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start in verse 45. Now, in this portion of scripture that we're going to read this morning, Jesus has already been born. He's been uh, walking on the earth. He's been ministering with his disciples, doing many miracles, many signs, many wonders. And now where we're picking it up here in Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is actually on the cross right now. And so we're starting in verse 45, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and it says here in verse 45, at noon darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now, some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, 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 hold on. Let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. In verse 50, it says, then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. From top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs were opened. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. Now, I wanna just pause for a moment. I wanna look at the screens. We're gonna put a very simple image of the layout of the, the temple at this time. So we're looking at this. This is a, a simple layout of Solomon or Herod's temple. Um, the temple in Jerusalem was first built by King Solomon. 
And that, that temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of ba the Babylonians. Later on, it was rebuilt, and we see that Herod now has uh, done some work in the temple, and Herod's temple here is, has the same layout. And so when we look at this layout of the temple, we see some walls, we see some areas here, and on the outer area of the temple was what was called the court of the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles is anyone that is not a Jew. So I would be a Gentile. I'm not a Jewish individual, so I would be referred to as a Gentile. So we see the outer portion of the temple is where the Gentiles could go, and they couldn't go any further into the temple. Then we have the court of the women. So the Jewish women were able to enter in and were able to be in that area of the temple, but then there was a divider, a wall that separated them from going any further into the temple, and we find the court of the priests, and then we find what is referred to as the holy place. And the priests would go into the holy place and perform many duties in there. And then we see beyond the holy place, the most holy place. The most holy place is where the presence of God resided. That was where the Ark of the Covenant is. We see the golden box right there that re represents the Ark of the Covenant, which had the Ten Commandments in it, the mercy seat over the top of it. And this is a quick summary for all of us. If you want to dive deeper into the temple layout and what that looks like, you can go back into the Old Testament and take a look at it. But the curtain that's referred to here in Matthew chapter 27 is what was dividing the holy place from the most holy place. So right there in between the holy place and the most holy place was the curtain of the sanctuary. And it was a very substantial curtain. This wasn't just some ordinary curtain. Uh, Josephus, who was a historian, uh, was known to have said that it took approximately 300 men to maneuver this curtain. So we're talking a massive, it's not just the cute little sheer curtains you have at home, okay? We're talking a massive curtain, all right? And, and he, it's also said through history historians, people have said that it was the thickness of a man's palm. Now, we don't see that in scripture, the exact dimensions of the thickness of the curtain, but we do know that it was an interwoven curtain, very thick, very substantial, wide curtain. On the curtain was stitched in and, and uh, uh, some cherubim, two cherubim on the curtain, and, um, and the significance of that we may talk about later. But that curtain was there, and it was there for a purpose to keep people out to keep people out of the most holy place because that is where the presence of God remained. Now, there was only one individual that could enter into the most holy place and he was only able to go in once a year on what was called the Day of Atonement and that was the high priest. The Day of Atonement was actually celebrated just this last week called Yom Kippur. Um, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in but he couldn't just waltz right into the most holy place. He had to go in a specific way. He had to wear specific clothing. He had to go in with the blood of a sacrificed animal and take the blood of that animal and sprinkle the blood onto what was called the mercy seat. And the reason why he did that, did that is because he was going in and sprinkling the blood onto the mercy seat to atone for the sins of all the people of Israel. 
to, to plead for forgiveness for the sins of an entire nation. And he would go in once a year to do this, and that was the only time that he could enter in, and then he would go back out, and then a year later, it would be required that he would need to go back in with a new sacrifice, blood of another sacrificed goat, and sprinkle it onto the mercy seat again, going in the specific way as he did year after year after year after year. Why? Because the blood of an animal was not sufficient enough to provide a covering for man's sin once and for all. This was simply a shadow and a foreshadowing of what was to come with Jesus, our Savior, and what he would do later on. Okay, so we've looked at the temple that's referred to here in Matthew chapter 27. Now I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. Now we know, because we have the Bible, and we can read through that and see that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried, but three days later, come on somebody, he rose from the grave, amen. We serve a living God, amen. He rose from the grave, appeared to many people, and the church, church was birthed, and we see the church uh, being established, and the church is growing all throughout the book of Acts. And we see here in Ephesians, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. So he's writing to the believers, the people uh, uh, that, that uh, have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're, he's writing to them, and he says this in verse 19. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. Everybody say that. Together we are his house. I love that. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully uh, joined together in him, becoming a holy, what? Temple. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So we saw the temple, Herod's temple, the temple where the curtain was split and divided from top to bottom. And now we see fast forward after what Jesus did on the cross that we together, God's people, have become a holy temple for his presence. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we pray that you would minister to each one of us this morning. God, we didn't come here to be with friends or to just check off a box saying that we did our duty for the day. God, we came because we want to meet with you. Lord, we want to hear your word today, and we just ask that you would uh, minister to each one of us right where we're at and right in the middle of our circumstances and situations. God, help me to communicate all that you've placed on my heart for us today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. 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 I absolutely love the church. I love the church. I am passionate about church. You might be like, well, yeah, of course, you're, you're one of the pastors, uh, you know, but that's not why I love the church. I love the church because my life was absolutely changed through the church. My life was transformed through the church. See, uh, when I was about 20 years old, um, I encountered the church, and at that age, um, 
Prior to that, I had no history, no background, a church background whatsoever. The only time I had been to church is maybe for a funeral or a wedding. So I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know anything about Jesus. Um, I was totally clueless. And at this point in my life, I had made a lot of really bad decisions. I had gone down a path of addiction. I had, um, had experienced some abuse. I was going through a lot of pain. And just months prior to the experience I'm going to describe to you right now, I had attempted to end my life. I had gotten to a place of utter hopelessness, and I thought that there was no end to the pain, and so I thought that the only answer was to end my life. And can I just say here this morning that if you are here today and you have, have, have thought those thoughts, you have contemplated, and those thoughts have entered into your mind that it would be better if... I wasn't here. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And the fact that you're here today means there is hope for you. And so whatever you're going through, it is not too difficult. It is not too far. You are not too far off for God to move in your life. There is hope for you. And so if that is something that you have thought and that is something that you have contemplated, I want you to come and meet with me after this service so I can pray with you and talk with you because that is a lie that I do not want you to begin to believe because that is not the truth. Amen. But I had, I had believed that for a moment. And, and now I was at this position where I was just trying to get by. I was just trying to make it. I was in survival mode. I was getting up in the morning, going to work, and just so that I could come home, go to sleep, and do it all over again day after day because I was just, I, I just was trying to get by each and every day. And then I met some individuals. And when I met these people, I discovered that they were Christians. I discovered that they went to church, that they had a relationship with God, and they began to live out that relationship with the Lord right in front of me. And I'll never forget the time when I was invited to church for the very first time. In one sense, I was absolutely uh, thrilled because I desperately wanted to know what this God thing was all about. I had seen them, I had heard them talk about the Lord, I'd heard them talk about church, and I so badly wanted to go and figure out what is this thing all about, because these people are driving me nuts, because they're happy, and yet I see them going through the same stuff I go through, and so I got to figure out what this thing is all about. But on the flip side, I was terrified. I was terrified because I thought, if this God thing is real, if God really is real, and he knows my stuff, then there is no way that he's going to let me walk through the doors of the church. There's certainly lightning is going to strike the moment I start to step over the threshold into the building that, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be over because I am one messed up, broken, sinful person that just doesn't belong in that place. So that was the turmoil that's going on in the side, inside of me. And I'll never forget, I got the phone call from Ben, who was not my husband at the time. It was just a friend who I really liked a whole lot because he was stinking handsome. Tall, dark, and handsome. And I'm like... So he called, and he said, hey, we're all going to church in the morning. and just wanted to call and see if you wanted to come with us. And I, I remember in that moment, I pulled the phone because it was one of those phones that's on a cord. Remember those? Have anybody out there that knows what that is? Yeah. Um, the young people have seen those in museums. Um, but uh, I, I remember I pulled the phone away from my hand. I kind of leaned over to see my roommate. I said, hey, Ben's on the phone. They, they're going to church in the morning, and they want to know if we want to go with them. And my roommate, who's a Christian, 
um, said, Katie, go to church? <laughs> and immediately in that moment, all of my suspicions were confirmed. I thought, sure enough, because she knows a little bit of my stuff. She doesn't know all my stuff. If she knew all my stuff, she'd maybe be laughing even a little bit more. But certainly, that is not a place for me, because if I walk in, it's God's going to be playing a game of whack-a-mole. Boom. You know, like here she is, boom. Oh, there's another one, boom. You know, I, I thought sure enough by her response, every thought that I had, every suspicion about what God would do if I tried to walk into the church, it was confirmed in that moment. So I pull the phone back over to my ear and I say, no, you know what? No, I'll pass. Thanks though. And I hung up the phone. Year after year, the high priest would see the people come gather into Jerusalem, filling Jerusalem, bringing their offerings, coming in, and, and he, would, he would get his garments on, and he would get the incense ready, and he would have the, the blood of the sacrifice and go in. And I can only imagine what he was thinking in that moment. Maybe he had thoughts like what I had, is God gonna accept this offering? Is, is, is I'm not just coming with an offering to cover my sin. I'm coming with an offering to cover the sins of an entire nation. Is this going to be the end of my days if I go in the wrong way? Is God going to accept our offering? Is he going to forgive us for another year? Can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine the, 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 the conflict that may have been going on in, in his heart as he's going in and carefully observing all every detail of that moment so that by chance God would accept the offering of the people and bring forgiveness once again for another year. But Matthew 27, Jesus on the cross gave up his spirit and in that moment it says in verse 51 that the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. It was torn from top to bottom. Listen, listen to this scripture. 